live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to the inaugural podcast of the Meet in the Middle Chronicles. Hi, I'm Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Papoose. This podcast will bring you current news and information and provide analysis that we hope most people agree on. If Norm and I can meet in the middle, why can't our leaders? We used to be a radio show until the Chinese bought the station. But before we had this show, we met in an office. And, you know, we discovered that each of us consistently voted for different political parties. But we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. And that prevailed. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our community and our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree? Find the middle on issues. I don't give up on my values uh, when I compromise and neither does Norm. But we know that compromise serves our kids better, that, we can, that what we see in the current political, political atmosphere So sit back and listen. Today we cover yesterday's school shooting, the impeachment proceedings, the latest on climate change, an article on the Russian collusion investigation that shocked us, you won't believe this, and a Democratic primary race that is expanding faster than my waistline at Thanksgiving. Okay, let's get to it. Sam. Issue number one, what do we have to do about these school shootings? We're following breaking developments at this hour. We come on the air after a school shooting at Saugus High School. This is Santa Clarita, California. So yesterday we had another school shooting in California. Uh, You know, unfortunately, this continues to happen and uh, a a new normal that we seem to have to uh, live with. And uh, I have to uh, take issue with this with, with, with Norman's Republicans. They're going to be yours today, no? They're not mine. Uh, continue to fight against um, any kind of uh, gun control to uh, maybe uh, help this situation. So, uh, what what is the Republican view, Noah? I'm not sure what the Republican view is, and tr- truthfully, I think we've uh, we've been pretty inept on this matter. I don't know the details of what happened yesterday. Uh, it's too early for all that. I do know that the Democrats rushed to the Senate floor f- to, to put a bill out and the Republicans quashed it. And of course, now the Democrats say the Republicans are doing the bidding of the NRA. Well, I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. And I think, you know, in, when we had the radio show, we went through three or four items that 80% of America agreed on. And they're not getting done. Uh, you know, one of them was stiffer background checks um, and, you know, a, a making sure that people with mental health issues, you know, can't don't have access to guns, locking up guns when they're in your home. You know, that's a big one for me. I got a bunch of guns, you know, something they sit behind a safe and my kids don't have access to that safe. So I don't know what we do. Because clearly our leaders are not taking steps to make us safe. And I know there's going to be people up on Capitol Hill that say, you know, they're not willing to work with us. But that kind of proves the point of this show. Nobody's willing to sit down and say, you know, what can we agree on? Who fails to agree that if you have a gun in your house, it should be secured and and only adults should have access to that weapon? Absolutely. Okay, so I I think that, you know, there there are a lot of Second Amendment issues here. You know, the Supreme Court has dealt with it um, in a D.C. case, you know, years ago that serves as the template for all, you know, Second Amendment arguments going forward. Uh, But still, you know, uh, know, here's a question I got back at you, Sam. What is it about today's society that creates mass murderers in schools and you know, you, when you and I were growing up, we we had kids that would come to school with guns because after school they were going to go hunting. You know, but and they didn't get out and, and go whacking everybody. On top of that, our murder rate has been declining for like twenty years, but our mass murders seem to be increasing. I, uh, uh, you know, like everyone else, I'm puzzled by the the escalation of of not being able to 
resolve com- conflict or ind- individual teens that are troubled to the point that a weapon is their uh, the answer uh, at our schools uh, specifically. I know that they, there have been mass shootings outside of schools, but uh, I don't know what where we have failed as a society not to be able to identify where our, our youth are having trouble. Uh, like you said, when we were, uh, well, I was in school in the, in the 80s. I think you were in the 70s, uh, 60s, was it? Uh, 70s. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, maybe there were a few more guns when you were in school. But, but the, to your point, we um, can't seem to find things that we agree on. Uh, you just mentioned that you're an NRA member. Uh, I had a, a NRA membership gifted to me uh, by by uh, a Republican friend, not you, uh, because I too am, uh, uh, I have my CHL, so I have my license to carry. I believe individuals should be able to protect their homes and family, uh, but there are some uh, more steps that, that we could go through that I think the uh, the NRA has, has fought, and for that reason I didn't renew my, my membership. Uh, and I didn't think they took a stand on a couple of issues that I, I felt that they should have, uh, specifically the Philando Castile in- incident where he was a licensed That was uh, a gun big, hope. huge mistake by the NRA. Yeah. Uh, he Why was, don't you tell everybody what you're talking about, just yeah, in case they don't know? Yeah, Philando Castile uh, was murdered and um, by. Uh, by an officer that um, – I don't know if we use the term murdered if he wasn't convicted. I, I can't even uh, re- remember uh, all the details of what his charge was. But anyway, he got stopped. He uh, had a handgun in the vehicle. Uh, he uh, told the officer that he had a handgun. Uh, he went to reach for his identification. Uh, and he, it was a licensed CHL, wasn't he? Licensed CHL. He went to uh, reach for his wallet or license, which any of us would do to prove that we have a license, whether it's a driver's license or a license for your CHL. The officer was afraid. Uh, He used the defense that he was afraid for his life and ended up shooting him in the car with his girlfriend and uh, daughter in the back seat. So, you know, that's an instance where I thought the the NRA should have made a more public uh, statement and issued a press release about uh, this individual's rights being violated uh, and him being... uh, killed in that yeah. instance. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the NRA missed a big time. But, you know, to get back to it, you know, I, I you know, it's this isn't really a meet in the middle issue so much as it is because we both agree that, you know, we want to keep uh, our children safe. And, you know, the topic here is yesterday's school shooting. And, you know, how we get there, I don't know. But, you know, there are things that most people say are common sense laws that our our legislators should be able to agree on. You know, securing your weapons when they're at home, uh, background checks to make sure you're not, uh, you know, selling to somebody you shouldn't be selling to, which, you know, which do exist. And it, most of all, I think that I think the one that you know you can't legislate, but it, you know it's upon our leaders is you have to enforce existing law. You know, and when you get told that somebody is you know a, a danger, as has happened in past mass shootings, you have to take that seriously. And you know, it, people do fall through the cracks, but you know, I go back to the fact that our murder rate has decreased and our mass shootings have increased, and I can't wrap my heads around that. But you know, we we got to move on. So, Sam, anything else left on this? Well, I think uh, one of the things uh, uh, that I've, I've read is that uh, as uh, wealth is concentrated, uh, violence increases. So I don't know if that's tied to these mass shootings or not. But So the Democrat thinks a tax plan will lead to a safer society. <laughs> I didn't ask to raise taxes. I'm just uh, <laughs> saying that... Uh, uh, we as a society, anytime you look at revolution, a lot of times it's driven by the fact that there was uh, one group uh, that is losing resources and another group, smaller group, that's increasing resources. So um, we've got to find a solution. Uh, and I, uh, uh, Kennedy has a quote. I had it somewhere. I forgot it. Uh, Here's a quote. 
from from we have we have 350 million weapons in this country that are legally owned and probably several billion rounds of ammo if legal ownership of weapons was a problem you would know it yeah this 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 quote uh uh by uh jfk uh let me go back to it find it right quick states that and i'm taking too long for for norm i see that so it says, it says those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable so maybe that's part of it. i don't know okay. on to the next subject. issue number two this is the one did he or didn't he because we're gonna go in there we're gonna impeach the motherfucker perhaps you have not heard me when i have said this is something we're very do with a heavy heart this is very prayerful because impeaching is is a divisive thing in our country it's a witch hunt uh, i'm leading in the polls they have no idea how they stop me the only way they can try is through impeachment now norman and i might agree on how to approach uh the whistleblower complaint and what even might be the appropriate congressional response to the now infamous phone call between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. But there's little doubt that as of now, the middle ground on this topic does not exist with congressional Democrats or Republicans, and the people on the mainstream and cable media are even worse. Norm, tell me, where are you? Do you agree with Pelosi's decision to initiate impeachment proceedings? Hell no. This was ridiculous. Now, I will tell you that I have been watching MSNBC's coverage because I wanted to see the other side. Okay. And what I saw basically was we don't like him, you know, which I get. Everybody gets that. And you and I, you know, on our radio show and our YouTube channel, we constantly talk to uh, elected officials uh, from the Republican Party. And every single time when we ask the question, what about Donald Trump do you not like? What was their answer every single time? Wish he'd get off Twitter. Wish he would get off Twitter. So we have him now. First, it was the Russians, which we'll cover later. Uh, Then it was the 25th Amendment. Then it was he will use the army to control power. Uh, Then it was the Mueller report. Then it was the investigation of the Mueller report. Then it was obstruction of justice. And now we had um, quid pro quo. They've abandoned that. And now they're going with bribery. And we have been in a three-year impeachment proceeding and that is, to me, a big contributor to this country's uh, division. Now, I'm not going to say Trump didn't add to it, but when the, if the left is over there saying their hands are clean, they're a bunch of liars. Well, uh, surprisingly, you may uh, be surprised that I was not in favor of in- impeachment, not because uh, I didn't think that something wrong was done, but with the election coming up in 2020, I thought the energy should be focused on uh, running a candidate uh, that you think could beat uh, the president and that uh, if you just did that, uh, it would be a better use of your time. Because with with the Republicans controlling the Senate, uh, they're not going to impeach. Yeah. And both AOC and Congressman Green from Houston have said what? We have to do this because he might get reelected. Yeah, but again, uh, like I said, for our meet in the middle, uh, I think we both agree that this this was a waste of time. The impeachment. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, if you want to, here's the meet in the middle moment, and I, I bet this would pass through both chambers, you know, you know, like a greased pig. And that is, if they censured him and said, you know, something, you really shouldn't have used the word Biden when you were talking to a former foreign leader. Absolutely. If he had said, you know, we would really like your help with the existing investigation into Burisma, which the, the European well, corruption Union, investigation or anything general like yeah. that. Uh, but he made it specific because it went to the heart of the issue of what he was really trying yeah. to do. The United Kingdom's uh, equivalent of the SEC, the European Union and the Department of Justice have all had investigations into into Burisma, you know, since Trump even announced for office. His big mistake, and it was a mistake, was he used the word Biden. Absolutely. Never should have come out of his mouth. 
Yeah, but but I believe that was uh, his intent. So you know, uh, there there are unforced errors by the president. Yes, and, I don't disagree. Uh, this morning he had an unforced error. Yeah, you got me. I, I haven't been listening. Well, if you had, hadn't been paying attention because you're not watching the hearings. Uh, yeah, I was uh, preparing for the show. Witness intimidation uh, where he was tweeting about uh, the witness this morning. And, you know, he could have just left it alone. You know, uh, even Clinton has tried to advise him that he has a former President Clinton, not Hillary, but the Bill. Bill. Uh, had, Cigar man. Yeah, he he even said that he was elected to do a job, and and you know, when Clinton was being impeached, he uh, let those uh, counselors handle the impeachment, mm-hmm. and he continued it, uh, doing his job as president. But uh, I don't know if it's the president's um, desire, President Trump's desire to micromanage the the message or marketing, but he just can't seem to. To let it go, and he, well, he he should with that. I mean, even the Republicans on his team uh, that are upset about him using Twitter should just um, well pass something to take it out of his hand. Yeah, no, I, I I'm not going to disagree. Sometimes they should swipe that thing out of his hand. Although, if you talk to other Republicans, they will say, and they're correct in this, that Twitter allows the president to communicate with the public and go around the press which doesn't seem to provide the message that he's trying to deliver. So I understand his use of Twitter, but he needs a filter. Uh, he needs, you know, he, his, what's his daughter's name, Ivana? Ivanka. Ivanka. Mm-hmm. She should be his filter. She should grab and And if he says, no, dad, you can't do that, he should say, okay. And, and she should just delete it. But here's the thing. And you're talking about witness intimidation. I don't consider her a witness the ambassador to get kind of down down deep in this she was fired in may mm-hmm. okay so what did she witness okay there is nothing she witnessed that would lead to a criminal charge well the the again the the impeachment hearings are not about a criminal charge yeah well, they better be because because you have to charge the president with a crime well uh uh that those crimes are defined very broadly uh, I believe, and and that's but what they're the house, crimes. Yeah, uh, and, and I guess her role in this in this process is that she shows um, a climate or atmosphere leading up to the call. Right. So this, what they're trying to do is they're trying to paint an intent, a mm-hmm. psychology of the president that says, you know, they're trying to create. They're building you know, the case. Yeah, they're building the case. They're painting the canvas. Okay. But here's the thing, and this is where Republicans rightly get absurdly angry. If you're going to paint the painting and say, we're putting all these witnesses up who are not fact witnesses about the commission of a crime, but we're, gonna, we're, we're painting the, the mindset of the president, well, what did Comey you know, uh, basically let Hillary Clinton off the hook on? Intent. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now they they can't read Hillary's mind, but they sure have no problem reading Donald Trump's mind. Well, it's not just his mind, it's his actions, uh, which uh, not just a single phone call, but just uh, actions that uh, got us to this point. You know, the uh, president, for lack of uh, a better word, can be a bully sometime with his Twitter account. I mean, he picks on if, if you go against it's the president. It's not a crime. It's it's unwise. It's unwise. It is ungentlemanly often. Yes, sir. You know, it is. It, it. I will say sometimes it is bullying. But if you are going to push intent, and this is my main point for this segment, the Republicans see a two-tier justice system: one that applies to liberals and one that replies applies to Republicans. Because I want you to look me in the face and honestly tell me. If Don Jr. you know, went across to the most corrupt country in Europe and got a $50,000 a month gig sitting on a board of a company whose CEO was under investigation by virtually every law enforcement authority in that country and in that, um, and in that, uh, that uh, geography of the world and, and stretched over the Atlantic, the Democrats would sit down and say, well, no, he's a businessman. You know, he can do this. 
Okay, uh, for radio listeners that cannot see, I'm looking toward Norm in the eye. And the issue is, I think that there is corruption on both sides. So uh, that goes to my point that there is a two tier legal system in this country, depending on whether you're red or blue. I don't think so. I think they they both equally, when in power, go after each other viciously on on issues like this. So when you when you talk about the fifty thousand dollars a month, I think it's a drop in the bucket to other uh, amounts of money that is being made by the Trump family in various uh, forms. They are in business. They made billions before. You know, but before you, they, they made. Did they make billions? Yes. Is you know, we hadn't if seen the tax were, returns. I don't know. I don't know if he really made billions or not. Or is, is that just paper gains? Is that just uh, fluff? I don't know. Well, you can take Forbes or the Wall Street Journal's account of it too. I mean, you know, they look at his assets, they look at his cash flows. But getting back yeah. to it, let's get back to the back main to, point. Back to the main point. Okay. I, on a scale of one to ten, what are the odds of Don, today? What do you think the odds of Donald Trump being impeached by the House of Representatives are? Oh, I think it's a 10. I think they have the votes. And then after the intimidation today, I think he's even losing some Republicans. So, I mean, he should have just left that alone. I think it's a 10. I think it's a 10, too. I don't think he should have left it alone. And I'll I'll be very specific why. He His side, the Republicans in Congress and the House of Representatives, asked for nine witnesses. Three of them were witnesses that the Democrats were also going to call. Okay, so three of them were joined. They denied all six. So they say well, well, it's a trial. All six, they denied six others. No, they you did said not. It was nine. There were so. nine. Three were shared by the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they just denied six that they didn't agree with, or they they didn't want to call. And you can't do that. Can you imagine if you're in a trial and the prosecutor says, "Oh, we don't. He can't call these people." Okay, that's not due process. So basically, they're putting on a one-sided show here that the the president, other than his Twitter account or going outside of the microphone, cannot defend himself. You know, with with evidence that might be exculpatory. Okay, the, with witnesses that might be exculpatory. They're saying we're not allowing it. I, I don't think he has a defense. I think. Uh, yeah, uh, but well, that's not up to you. The defendant has the right to call people he wants to. But he, he, he can't call people in this in this House hearing. The president doesn't get that. that yeah, but choice. his representatives can't either. That The Republican House con- congressmen are being denied the right to present the other side of the story. Well, you know, to our point, the, the numbers are in the Dems' favor. Uh, a lot of time is being wasted on these, these uh, procedural issues when they're going to vote however they're going to vote. I don't think anything said or done is going to change any of the Democrats' mind at this point, and they have enough numbers to get the votes. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, instead of wasting the taxpayers' dollars and money, I think they should just go ahead and vote. Yeah, send it over to the Senate. The Senate's going to get really interesting. The trial's going to be really cool. Okay, issue number three. He's back. We frequently find that there are many areas where we can meet in the middle, but there's one story where we've never come close. We are further apart on this topic than Archie and Meathead. We had to stop talking about it because we were getting nowhere fast. The topic, the kneeling of Colin Kaepernick during the national anthem. And now Kaepernick may be back in the NFL by this time next week. ESPN broke the story. Quarterback Colin Kaepernick will have a workout in Atlanta on Saturday that was arranged by the NFL. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports every team's been invited to attend and evaluate Cap's readiness to play. Out of the league since 2016, Cap agreed to a settlement in February over his grievance accusing NFL owners of collusion to keep him out of the league because of his political activism. The workout will include private time by each team to interview Kaepernick. There are reports that at least one team has indicated a willingness to sign him conditionally on his agreement to not protest on game day. Kaepernick supporters may say a little late. The NFL could respond better late than never, to which some, such as Norman, will say never. Never. Norm, you got to change your mind here. No, I don't. Norm, you're losing. Don't care. 
Fight to the death, baby. You're on the wrong side of history. I'm not. We shall see. I'm not on the wrong side of history because basically Kaepernick is a petulant child who did this for the cash. You know, here he is kneeling for the anthem of the United States of America because he doesn't agree with the way society has progressed. Well, I'm sorry if the 350 million people in this nation, 99% of whom are really good, honest, decent people, if they have to be held accountable for the few idiots in our, in our midst who do things that we can all agree are reprehensible. Okay, and that is what he's doing. At the same time, he is taking big money from Nike, who basically sends money across the Pacific to China that makes human rights, the human rights in America look like it. I don't even know. I don't even know how to put the difference in, in the way people are treated between the United States of America and China. But let's consider that Hong Kong which is supposed to be under a separate legal administration, is having riots in the streets. Is that somewhere I heard the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous? I don't Well, we're not going to get into religious well, arguments. Well, who's, who's getting wealthy here? Who's well, the person in the story getting wealthy? The wealth of the wicked. So yeah. it's being transferred now to the you. righteous. I agree it's, with you. It's being transferred now to the righteous. He has a righteous cause, I believe. And uh, this is one... Uh, I guess red and blue issue that will never be purple for us. Okay, but let's get to this. Why did the NFL do it? Why did the NFL do? Why did they arrange the the? Why did they arrange tryout and the, the tryout? Out. They've never done this relations. before. I think it's a public relations ploy. I don't know that any team is seriously going to give him an opportunity. I hope that they would. I believe that uh, he's better than some of the quarterbacks in the league right now yeah the browns yeah. might need a new one after that hit you know that their quarterback took last night to the head yeah what well, uh that's the steelers quarterback the, oh that was the steelers quarterback yeah, yeah you're yeah, right you're yeah, right i got that wrong that yeah yeah that was backwards but he he said he's okay and uh that was a horrible uh uh eight seconds i guess we can agree on that that's, oh. that's a purple issue oh. that that we can agree uh no one should ever uh, attack someone that is uh, not but, protected yeah. uh, with, well attacking with his own helmet I mean that could have went horribly wrong but how you know the NFL is having a real problem now protecting its brand mm-hmm. and what what I mean by protecting its brand is it used to be a brand that uh, if there was any animosity towards the brand is because you were a cowboy fan and I was a redskin fan mm-hmm. you know the, the, those kind of things you know you not were past great, tense I'm you, current not work well, I'm I'm talking in general in past year in past years. Yeah, I got but you. you know Chicago versus Green Bay, those kind of issues. But now you, you know it, it seems like ever since the you know, the the, uh, the flashing of uh, at halftime by uh, uh, Latoya Jackson or Janet Jackson, Janet you know, Jackson, not Latoya. Yeah, it seems like there was you know the the NFL and you know, the, and now social justice came up and now Twitter came up and every player can tweet what they want when they want it. And, um, you know, you get a pair, uh, you get transparency throughout the NFL. And now all of a sudden, you know, you have um, the running back from the Ravens who's on videotape punching his wife. You have, and I'm not picking on the Cowboys, but, you know, they're an NFL team that, Mm -hmm. that picked up a guy named Hardy who... I mean, was arrested and convicted of domestic abuse. There are, there are many other uh, issues of problems yeah. with, with with not only uh, athletes, though. The problem that I have is, is if we uh, are going to highlight wrongs, you have uh, attorneys that do wrong, you have doctors that do wrong, you have janitors that do wrong. Uh, some of those things also have been caught on video. These are high-profile cases that we see uh, in the media. Uh, I don't think that they're necessarily um, but i promise you if my plumber goes home and beats up his wife on video it's on facebook within the hour well i think uh that speaks to another issue of uh the environment that we live in in social media yeah uh and all of the everybody's a reporter now uh with with the smartphones uh that at any given moment and and even when you're not uh, recording with your phone, there are cameras everywhere. We've, we're being watched all around. Yeah, but get back to the NFL. 
because you know we have teams that have a history of signing or excusing conduct bad actors yeah that the plumber would would lose lose revenue for lose his job yeah Uh, you know it's it's about profit and and it goes back to joe public joe public still wants to see the gladiator but now you know you know it's extended and this is really where i want to get to it's now it's being extended where it's not just we are going to punish you if you do wrong which was the case with the baltimore ravens running back which was a case of uh, a lot of people say Kaepernick, you know, people turned off the NFL, that kind of thing. But now there is a pop star named Ellie Goulding who's threatening to pull out of the halftime show for the Buffalo Bills-Dallas Cowboys game on Thanksgiving Day. And you know why? Because uh, the Salvation Army plays a lot large role in that game. And she's saying the Salvation Army is anti-LGBTQ. LGBTQ. And so she's saying, I'm not going to sing unless, you know, the Salvation Army does X, Y, Z. And now in the past, the NFL would have they would have said they, they would have kicked her to the curb in a heartbeat. But now with the way that pressure is being applied to the NFL, to corporations, you know, our the thing with, that we are attached to, the, our phone has changed the game. Uh I, I had not heard uh, about this issue or not paid attention to it, so uh, it's new to me. But uh, individuals going into a situation like that, um, Thanksgiving Day game, you already know uh, the Salvation Army is involved or some some group. Why would why would you agree to perform? Well, she's from England, so she might not understand the. Okay. Well, uh, you know, when individuals sign a contract or yeah. agree, I think they need to fulfill that contract if they if they back up. We on agree. That. Yeah. But what do you think? How many teams do you think will attempt to sign Kaepernick? I, I don't think uh, they're seriously going to sign him. I think they're just going through the motions with this uh, uh, tryout. I, I would hope they somebody would give him a chance. Some team needs a better quarterback. They're hurting themselves by not – giving him an opportunity to play. You know, how will the public react and with regards to putting in his contract that he wouldn't be able to uh, kneel? I don't know if that's going to if that's going to be possible. If they don't want him to to protest because that's part of his brand now, you know. But right. if if he signed a contract and it was in the contract that he could not protest or kneel during the national anthem, then he agreed to not do that right. in the contract. Which brings up an important point, and we covered this on our radio show. When you're at work, you don't have First Amendment rights. You know, you can't stand up in the middle of your company and say, you know, Donald Trump stinks or Bill Clinton is a rapist. You can't do that. You can legally be fired, and if you try to go and say, I have my First Amendment rights, that won't fly. It'll get kicked out in a heartbeat. So the reality is, is that Kaepernick had no First Amendment rights to kneel. What he did have was the explicit or implicit permission of the 49ers who were his employer who d- decided to let it go. Well, where was it in his contract that it was mandatory that he stand? It, you know, was, it was voluntary. It's in the NFL Players Association uh, contract that I you, think that you said, stand that you stand for the national anthem. I think it was written you should. It didn't say that you right. must. Language is very important. Okay, well, here's my Can language. Can we agree on that? Can we agree on that? Yes, here's, okay. my, here's my language. If he had knelt, I could have fired him. If, if I owned the San Francisco 49ers, I could have said, gone to him and said that that – that activity is not in keeping with the image the 49ers want to portray and this is a verbal warning and then i would have given them a written warning and then the third time he did it i would have fired him well as the owner i think you you could have made a business choice to do that i I don't necessarily agree with it because again go back to what uh uh is his actually action harming? Now you could say it's harming the image of the I own NFL. It. I, and, I don't and, need. I don't need to explain the harm. I own the team. You work for me. Yeah. I, they, you know, I don't have to prove harm. Well, that that is that's your brand, uh, but I think you run the risk of uh, blowback and negativity from the other side. 
Oh wow! You mean there was blowback involved? Both sides. There, there are yeah, people exactly. that exactly. So, so the business has to make a decision. Which side are you going to take? Exactly. Are, are you going to be on the and right side of history with Kaepernick? Or are you going to take the wrong side of history with Norm? Well, obviously, we know what part of history Kaepernick is. He's with the part of history that cashes checks from companies that do business with with totalitarian rulers that exploit workers in numbers that are staggering, and he does it by criticizing the country that the same people who are protesting the, those conditions of human rights are holding up our flag. Well, we have to be very careful about which companies do business with uh, countries that we don't agree What's with. What's the we thing? Kaepernick's doing it. Well, I'm, I'm saying the country as a whole, we can't point fingers at Kaepernick on this one issue. Yeah, we when, can. Well, we I'm use, doing it here. Where is he? I'm pointing. But I'm saying we use products and services from countries of... Uh, uh, that we don't necessarily I don't agree. get paid from China, I promise you. You may not get paid, but you may support okay, companies. Okay, does Kaepernick get paid from China? That's the issue. Indirectly? Is no, it a check written no, it's di- not indirectly. Is it a check written directly from China's that government That check to is him? incapable of being written without the low-cost labor that produces the shoes that he advocates. But there's low-cost labor okay. that produces See, products this is and services why, we this use is why we never, This is why we never usually put this on the radio show. Because no one's always agree. wrong. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will leave it up to the. I will leave it up to the uh, to the listening audience. Right. Okay, number four, issue number four, sailing away. So this is this is uh, this is something that's near and dear to my heart because I'm actually a green Republican, but I will not go in for the climate change people. So this week, social media uh, blew up as climate change advocates pointed to the drought in Zimbabwe and the flooding in Venice, Italy as proof of climate change and the coming of the end of the earth. Um, But, you know, to the rescue, here come the United Nations. They're meeting in December in Spain to discuss the climate change issues. And attending that will be Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old climate change activist that gained international recognition by sailing across the Atlantic in the catamaran and then addressing, or I would say scolding, attendees at the United Nations Climate Conference uh, this past uh, September. Uh, Let's remember her speech. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? Now this week, she boarded a 48-foot catamaran to cross the Atlantic going back to Europe, to Spain where she's going to change, uh, I'm sorry, where she's going to champion climate change in front of the previously mentioned United Nations climate people. That's where they're meeting. Now, Sam and I can agree that preserving our Earth's resources should be a high priority. But should America enter into international agreements mandating specific actions? That's really my question. Now, one of the things that I point to in that I have, I have a really close friend who's pretty high up in the alternative energy uh, sector, and he'll admit this is the weakness of the alternative energy sector. And, and it, it comes down to this report, and I'm quoting here. A report commissioned earlier this year by Earthworks noted easily accessible supplies of battery metals are being depleted rapidly. Annual demand for lithium is projected to surpass current production rates from mines as soon as 2022. And by 2050, demand for cobalt could exceed known planetary planetary reserves. So by 2050, we could be out of cobalt, the whole freaking planet. So, you know, should America be signing international climate change agreements and under what terms? Sam. Well, you know, uh, I was in Denver recently, or first part of October, and um, this uh, young lady um, was there. Um, she had come over, of course, sailed over because she doesn't fly. And, uh, I mean, she was uh, greeted like a rock star. I mean, everybody was going to see her. It was, I think, October 11th. Uh, she was there in Denver. Uh, with regards to uh, us signing agreements, I think, uh, you know, we sign agreements all the time. What the terms are going to be, I don't know. Um, but I think we, as, a, as, a, as humans, 
all over this planet need to realize we only have one planet right now that we can live on and uh, we need to figure this out. I don't, I don't um, know all the science behind it. I know that we're having uh, increased storms. I know that we're having weather events that I've never witnessed before. I know we have more flooding. Um, I know we have uh, more severe hurricanes. Uh, is that traced back to, you know, uh, human uh, actions that, that cause these things? Okay. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I, I, I'm horrible at science, mm-hmm. but I'm really good at math. Okay. And I'm really good at advanced math, and I know the math they're using. It has problems. That said, I, you know, if you put down for me, you know, well, do I want, you know, stricter pollution controls? And, you know, and right now we are within 10 miles of a massive amount of the, uh, the country's energy production, right where we're sitting mm-hmm. today. But here's my problem. When we go and do these international agreements, somehow our elected leaders take the taxpayers' checkbook with them. And that bugs me. If you want, yeah, and do you know who the number one offender is right now in, in climate, in, in, in pollution? Nope. China. Okay. Okay. India. And depending well, on what metric. China and India. Only one well, I'm, I'm, one I'm, I'm making two. a list. Oh, okay. I'm making a list. So. And, and, and if you go and you look at all the countries uh, that have uh, pollutive activities compared to their population, you know, a lot of it's the emerging markets. And the emerging markets, how do I put this? They're emerging because they usually have corruption problems. Okay. okay? And yet we say we're going to send them money. Uh, no, thank you. Now, we can agree that uh, in the current uh, financial environment that we are in, America can ill afford to continue to spend money overseas like we're doing. I think that that is something we can agree on. Absolutely. So uh, right here, I want to propose something that not only I think you will agree with, but I would hope that reasonable people across the country and specifically in our legislators in the states and in Washington could agree to. And it's this. We ain't sending you a dime, okay? We're not sending anybody a dime. We're not giving you a billion dollars to try to make your factories less pollutive. What we are going to do is, if we are all going to agree to these same benchmarks, and every two years, three years, four years, those benchmarks are going to be reviewed by United Nations or some separate panel. If you make them, our trade agreement stands. If you don't make them, your goods are going to be tariffed to the moon until you get your stuff. Your, oh, well, we're on, we're on podcast. So I don't have to worry about my language anymore. <laughs> until you get your shit straight, you know, your goods are unwelcome in America. And I promise you that all these, you know, corrupt little governments we got around the world that stuffed dollars in their pockets from the IMF and, and USAID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I promise you that when they find out that their market to their largest market is going to be shut to them, they'll get their act together. Well, how do you get Joe Public to get on board with that? Because if the demand is still there for the products, I think you're gonna, uh, it's going to be hard to enforce if the public cries they don't care. So, so here's, here's my point. We, we often say we care about these things, but we continue to drive the SUV. Mm-hmm. We continue to use the wrong light bulbs. We continue to waste the energy. I, I think that light bulb thing's a myth. I've replaced more of those. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they work any better than anything else anyway. Sorry, go but, ahead. But, but, but the point is uh, we, we say one thing as a public or individuals, but then our practice uh, is different what we do in our everyday sure. lives. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you got to get Joe Public on board because if, if the demand is there for these cheap products or whatever's coming from overseas, if you start taxing them, and making it more costly uh, for me, uh, may, maybe I start looking at another candidate that could get me, even if the if what I'm all, asking all, about is bad for all, me. All that, all that is true, okay? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, leaders lead, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you had put it up to a popular vote about the Civil Rights Act, it would have failed, all right? Absolutely. So 
leaders lead. Get out there, say, you know, we are going to be less pollutive. We are going to save our our planet. Uh, our, our planet. planet for our kids. You know, we're going to clean up the oceans. We're going to clean up the rivers. We're going to clean up the air and ground. And if the countries that we do business with fail to follow our lead, they are cut off from our markets. And a lot of people aren't going to like it. I don't care. Yeah. Well, I, I think we have to start somewhere. And All right. that's the point where we start. Excellent. All right. So I'm glad you agree with me again. So I got to do this next one because I, I found this. And it absolutely boggled my mind. So the title of this, Russia, Russia, Russia. So a lot of Republicans, and I think a lot of people in general, wonder how the Russian collusion investigation began. Uh, Many people think it was uh, the investigation was an effort by the deep state to remove President Trump. Last week, the Epoch Times pointed out some very public information that may lend validity to this. This is incredible. Here's the origin of the Russian collusion investigation. It's portrayed by most media sources. A guy named George Papadopoulos, good Greek guy, a former Trump campaign consultant was on a trip to London in May of 2016. There he met an Australian diplomat named Alexander Downer. And Alexander Downer was no small player. I mean, he, I think at one point he was the equivalent of the Secretary of State for Australia. He, he, he's a big deal. Now, pay attention to the dates. That meeting between Papadopoulos and Downer took place on May 10th of 2016. At that meeting, it is alleged and denied by Papadopoulos that he told Downer that Russians had and might release emails of then presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. So Downer's alleging that on May 10th, Papadopoulos had knowledge that the Russians had Clinton's emails, Hillary Clinton's emails. Now, Papadopoulos said the meeting happened. There's no issue there. Now, fast forward to after all this, when Director Comey starts getting grilled by congressional investigators. December 7th, 2017, which is, you know, a year and more than a year and a half after the meeting took place. Director Comey states, this is verbatim, I'm quoting him here. My recollection is the first information we had, certainly the first information that came to my attention that Americans might be working with the Russians as part of their efforts came at the end of July. I think the 31st is too late, but the last week of July. When we received information from an allied nation about the conversations their ambassador had in England with George Papadopoulos, that was the beginning of it, which is the first time we turned to try to figure out whether any Americans were working with the Russians. Now, he says, Comey says that a May 10th meeting is the initial date that alerted the FBI to the fact that an American might be working with the Russians concerning Hillary Clinton's stolen emails that it would, were now stored in the Kremlin, okay? He said May 10th. May 9th, Judge Napolitano appears on Fox News's Kelly file. May 9th, the day before this meeting took place. And of course, this is a cable news broadcast that was very popular, I think it was number two, in the evening, you know, on, on uh, by the ratings. And listen to what Judge Napolitano has to say. And at the same time, we learned there's a debate going on in the Kremlin between the foreign ministry and the intelligence services about whether or not they should release the 20,000 of Mrs. Clinton's emails that they have hacked into and received and stored. The Papadopoulos meeting took place on May 10th. Comey says the FBI became aware of the meeting at the end of July 2016, yet we have a Fox News contributor the day before the meeting happened telling millions of viewers that Russia had Secretary Clinton's emails and there was a debate in the Kremlin on whether to release them or not. So now the question becomes, you know, if I'm looking at Mr. Comey, Mr. Comey, why did the FBI investigate an espionage claim that resulted from a May 10th meeting 
When a Fox News commentator gave the nation the same information on May 9th, the day before. Russia, Russia, Russia. Sort of like the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I have no answer for you, Norm. Uh, this is going to be your segment <laughs> on the Russia, Russia, Russia I, issue. I wanted to get that out because, and this goes to my two-tier justice issue. Because Hillary Clinton paid a former foreign spy, Christopher Steele, to go to Russia and dig up dirt on a political opponent that was completely unverified. Then her campaign and minions in her campaign pushed that dossier into newsrooms trying to get them to push the story out, effectively using Russia as a source for information against their opponent. Not only that, paying for it but did they pay russians yes so 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 who's the the spy was an american spy no the spy was a british spy was a british spy okay okay so if you want russian interference in election we have nothing on on donald trump yet i have an entire paper trail on Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, it's like the news walks into the room and turns the lights out and says, nothing to see here. I don't think they did that. I mean, she was on on trial, what, 11 hours or something when she had to testify 10 hours, some some ridiculous amount of time. Uh, They've hashed this issue over and over again. I'll give you, you, okay, you want another example? When Hillary Clinton was un, was under investigation by the FBI, you know who sat in on the when the witnesses were being interviewed? Hillary Clinton's lawyers. Did did uh, did Chairman Schiff allow Donald Trump's lawyers to sit in on the closed door investigations as Hillary's lawyers were allowed to on the closed door investigations at the FBI? I'll answer for you. No, they weren't. Two tier no. justice system in this country when it comes to prosecuting. I, I don't I don't see it as two tier. I, I think uh, the entire system is flawed, and at various times, depending on who's in power or in control of the meeting, they uh, tilt the scales. Uh, so it it can go both ways. Republicans tilt the scales. When's it when, going to go our way? Oh, it went your way with the election. We have to have a guy take Snapchat pictures of his willy and send them to 12 year olds before democrat before republican can look and say see a democrat got busted i mean harvey or not harvey weinstein uh uma uma abedin's husband the congressman that idiot that's that's to the extent that a democrat has to go to actually get arrested he has to basically become a pedophile other than that whatever the democrats do is good I disagree. Uh, I can't give you individual cases right now of instances, but I think uh, there's abuses on both sides when one party is in control. All right. So uh, I think we we, we would have to agree that whatever party is in control, even individuals that don't agree with the impeachment process uh, right now, that the Democrats are in control. So they're doing what they wanted to do, just as the Republicans, when President Trump, uh, o- Obama was trying to nominate a Supreme Court justice. They were in control and they wouldn't let his nomination go forward. It's an abuse of power and authority when you have the numbers. And it oftentimes comes back to bite those that abuse that, meaning that the next ele- election cycle, they end up losing or they end up um, uh, giving up that, well, losing which, the power. Which brings up a good point, but we got to move on. But let's revisit that point about switching back and forth because i i want to bring up the issue of a third party and the complete inability of the libertarians to elect a dog catcher but that's for a future show okay sam next one's yours these is your these are your people uh this week uh michael bloomberg and former massachusetts governor deval patrick uh who was a friend of obama's took the good friend took the needed moves to enter the 2020 democratic primary uh, why, you, why, why, do we, why do I think these two uh, looked at the current field of Democratic candidates and decided they uh, couldn't get the job done? Uh, it's less than 100 days into the Iowa caucuses, and there are over a dozen candidates. The election is a, a long way away, but doesn't this lend uh, the appearance of a major struggle with, uh, inside the party? 
And from a, a meet in the middle point of view, where's a viable third party candidate? I wonder how many people would, would vote for the uh, ghost of Ross Perot. Uh, you know, this, uh, again, to your point, what you're just speaking with, uh, having a third party candidate, I think the Democrats are making a mistake by putting so many choices on the table. Uh, most of the individuals, if you're polling uh, less than less than 10 percent, I think you're wasting individuals time. So, for example, uh, uh, when you have I mean, what does the Republicans start out with 18 candidates the last cycle? 17? Yeah, I think 17. 17. I think that that's a waste of waste of time and energy for a lot of those individuals that uh, are on the stage because they're never going to get elected. Now, these two entering the race too long, one of the problems I have, I don't think billionaires should be able to just buy positions. I don't think they should be able to get in the races just because they have deep pockets and uh, buy the influence and manipulate with, with advertisements. And I think that's too much money in politics. You know the crazy thing is, and I'm not I'm not putting this out as a, as something that that I think is a uh, is a point to overcome your point, but one of the crazy things is Trump was a billionaire, had deep pockets, and Hillary outspent him, and I'm just proving that you know it's possible to come up against a billionaire and outspend them. Yeah, but but the spending as a whole is too much money and influence uh, uh, in that, and and it's just too. I think. Uh, individuals should find a place on the team everybody wants to be the star to hit the the game winning shot and i think that the democrats need to step back and take a team approach what would have been better example i think uh beto would have had a better opportunity running against cornyn because he had just ran against cruz and had been all over the state but i think he went somebody somebody advised him that he had a chance to become president which i don't think he did uh, and that was bad advice. So he got into this race. Uh, all individuals donated all this money to a presidential campaign, and I think he would have been better. Ser- he would have better served the party by run- even if he lost to Cornyn, he would have better served the party running against Cornyn. If the than- only votes for the Beto Cruz race had been held in the Senate, ninety-nine votes in the Senate because Cruz is already there, so he can't let him vote for himself. Beto might have won. Okay, he lost to the hatest, most hated man in the Senate. He, he, the only reason he barely lost, he, though he was close. He lost. Yeah, you know? A loss is a loss. Yeah, I understand. Okay, so uh, all I'm saying is, is that he it was not as good a candidate as the media made him out to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, but to your point, and and I, th- you know, there are too many Democrats, and I think you know the last, um, the 2016. Democratic uh, Party was, I forget where it was held, Philadelphia or, or somewhere in Ohio. Anyway, you know, I remember Amanda uh, Silverman, I can't remember her first name, looking at the Bernie Sanders supporters and saying, get over it. You lost. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a distinct divide in these candidates that didn't exist with the Republican uh, primary in 2016. And what I mean is, is you have the progressive wing of the Democrats. You, know, you have the Warren, you have the uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, um, Castro, et cetera. Then you have on the other side, you have the more mainstream Democrats, the Klobuchar. I'm not sure where Buttigieg, Buttigieg fits in, but definitely uh, Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, and there seems to be a really big divide there. There, there is a divide in the party, and the party is going to have to make a decision uh, what's best for the team to win. Yeah. And I, I believe that you can't go too far left. Do you agree with me that a second coming of Ross Perot, not Ross Perot himself, but somebody somebody of that wealth, somebody of that plain speak, could take this election? I do not agree. I, I think the two-party system is so entrenched in our uh, psyche uh, of America that uh, it's very difficult. That's why... Um, uh, um, oh, Bernie can come into the Democrat Party when he wasn't a Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he he knows that he has to come in on one side. He's not going to fall on the other side, of course. Uh, I think it's, it's very different. I think America needs it. I think we need somebody that could just talk straight uh, and and um, and not be reliant on money from either the blue or the red party. 
Exactly. It, it would be uh, great for us to find someone that could speak to both. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. Okay. I think people are so entrenched on their teams. All right. Okay. So that's it for this week. Listen, we got a Facebook page, Meet in the Middle Chronicles, MITM Chronicles. Please like us on Facebook. For the end of the show, we will be offering up some story headlines that popped up this week. And, uh, you know, if you have some free time, you might want to uh, take a look at them. From Reuters News, flaming arrows and petrol bombs inside Hong Kong protesters' weapons factories. Sam, this shit's getting serious. From CNN, 16-year-old taken in for questioning of Australians' uh, bushfires as fourth person found dead. Can you believe? Have you seen those pictures? I have not. Unbelievable. Okay, from BBC, Israel-Gaza ceasefire holding despite rocket fire. And from Science News, fossils suggest tree-dwelling apes walked upright long before hominids did. Yeah, and you know you got to wonder uh, what what that might have uh, you know on, on science. Everybody's saying science, science, science. Maybe we got it wrong. Who knows? Okay, this one for all you people my age who remember the punk movement back in the seventies from the Village Voice. Punk, nineteen seventy seven. A cult explodes and a movement is born. You will love that article. I told you you were uh, in high Shut school up. in the 70s. <laughs> From the Associated Press, principal who tried to ban LGBTQ books charged with child porn. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. Yeah, I'll tell you, he should be in jail just to protect him from the parents. Uh, from NBC News, Texas family told to take down Snowman because it's too early for Christmas decorations. I mean, we're pretty soon we're going to have Christmas year round. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's going to be marketed 365. Uh, and that's it enough people go out and meet in the middle compromise leave our kids a better place see ya